turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. judgment greater than anything you've ever known it won't be long your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God and every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come shelter from the coming storm all creation shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that jesus christ is lord to the glory of the father will you bow will you surrender He can save you from the might of all your sin. This is the fight in which he stands. In perfect victory, while you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ 
can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come judgment that's to come he is a shelter from the coming storm he's the only shelter from the coming storm Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. The question is, is Jesus God? Now this question has been debated for, for many, many years. Scholars, institutional scholars, pagans. But bottom line, it's never debated by serious, sold-out Christians because they have come to know Jesus Christ and they know he is God. But where in the scriptures are we told that Jesus is God? Well, part of what complicates this question for us is that the gospel message is about God coming and dwelling among human persons as a human baby, born at a very specific time and place, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I'm sorry, Bethlehem (laughs) in Israel. Bethlehem was where Jesus was born. Now, that birthing in Bethlehem had been foretold. But still, how do you you wrap your arms around God himself coming and being born as a human baby? And yet, that's the grand message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He came to be born among men, to grow, to live for three and a half short years in ministry, and then to be crucified, to die for your sins and mine. And then to be resurrected 
and walk in glory, ministering to his people, which he's still doing. Thank you, Jesus. But let's go back to the scriptures and let's ask the question, is Jesus God? So we'll go first today to the book of Colossians. Now, as I said, it is somewhat difficult to separate out God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But don't be wise in your own foolishness. These truths are historically understood for centuries. I'd like to explain some of this. Some of it I can't explain. It's the wonder of three in one, the Trinity. Can I explain that? Oh, I could attempt to give some illustrations, but no, I can't. I don't understand it. But what I do understand is that Colossians and the Apostle Paul is in prison. And he is addressing very serious questions for the church at Colossae. He wants to make sure that they understand what he's saying. Verse 13, this is chapter 1, verse 13. For he has rescued us. Who is he referring to here? Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So what we're going to find here, and we'll look later in some other passages, there is a very close correlation. There's a very close cooperation among the Godhead. Here we find the Father working with the Son, bringing those that are qualified in for redemption and the forgiveness of sins. That's all of us who are human beings. But let's look carefully, beginning at verse 15. He is, and now we're referring to the son he loves. This is Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. That word image we need to pay attention to. He is the image or he is the exact likeness of the invisible God. So when you look at Jesus, you are seeing an exact image of the invisible God who dwells in the spirit realm. Jesus came and was born among men in the realm of the flesh. But in the realm of the spirit, 
Jesus is the exact, the exact image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. How can Jesus be the firstborn over all creation? Because God is the creator. More specifically, you will find in just a moment that Jesus Christ, before the world was formed, was the one who planned it and carried out the creation. For by him all things were created. So everything in the world was created by Jesus before he became Jesus. Now, what I want you to find is that all of the biblical terms, the names given to God, were salvation names. God does not care to form some kind of agreement with man on what he's doing or what he's calling himself. He is the Redeemer God. He is fully God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Watch. For by him, and it's in reference, if you look at the flow of word meanings, the context, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. So this is Jesus before he was called Jesus. Now, I understand the difficulty of this for some of you. I grew up in a home that did not believe in the pre-existence of Jesus Christ. And when I was in high school and finally could begin to seriously read the word for myself, I read the book of John, the gospel, and became quite disturbed at the claims made for this person named Jesus. And it was quite a stunning shocker to me to read Colossians, to read Hebrews, the first chapter, and discover that literally this this person who became Jesus was pre-existent, the creator of all things, that nothing is created that was not created by him and for him. But let me continue. All things were created by him and for him. Verse 17. He is before all things. He is before all things. So when this universe had not been created, when the sun and the moon and the stars had not been hung in space, The earth had not been created. Human beings were just maybe on the drawing board. 
Jesus was before all things. He wasn't called Jesus then. I don't know what he was called. He was called Jesus after he was born in Bethlehem of Galilee. In him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Jesus is God. He was before all things. He was named Jesus as he came out of the womb of Mary. But he had been pre-existent, never a time when Jesus was not, for he is God. He is the head of the body, the church. Now here's where we get into difficulty. You find a church that does not believe that Jesus was pre-existent. You find a church that does not believe that he is the creator God. You find a church that denigrates the personhood of Jesus Christ. When you find that church, you will find a very low level of interest in real religion. You will find often also a church where where children are sexually molested. You will find a, a church that is more of a social institution than it is a Christian church. A Christian church, by definition, believes that Jesus Christ is God. If you do not believe that, do not call yourself a Christian. Go call yourself a Unitarian. Call yourself a pagan. Call yourself whatever you want. But if you deny that Jesus is God, you're not a Christian. And there are some churches right now who are very much struggling with this question. All the questions of, is Jesus God? What is the level of their commitment? Is it a social commitment? Is it a feel-good commitment? Is it a club? Do these people sexually abuse their children? Is it in part a wicked people? And my answer is yes. How can I say that? Well, follow. I'll show you. It is Jesus alone who can circumcise a person and make them into a real Christian. Now you recognize that circumcision is simply meaning these people are unable to produce anything good 
without the person of Jesus Christ. It is impossible for them to follow the course of Scripture. They'll always go off track. They'll want to establish the values of their church by their experience. See, I don't, I don't look at my experience as any kind of standard by which I live. My experience is simply my experience. My standard for how I live and how I walk is the standard found here in the Word of God. The Word of God is the standard. It is the final authority for all men and women who are called Christians. Let me go on. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything... He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus. That is, the resurrected Jesus, not the pre-existent Jesus. And through him, that is Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his body, blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, you see, we all came into this world with a sinful nature bent toward lawlessness, bent toward waywardness. We will have our way no matter what. And the great battle that I fight now as a pastor is helping people to understand the way they are naturally bent and then to utterly reject that bent to sin and receive Jesus Christ. Let his blood wash clean. Let his blood change a sinner into a righteous man. Verse 23, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. That is, we're now speaking about God the Father. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, 
That is, believing that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on Calvary for your sins, that he was resurrected on the third day, and that you too can be resurrected into the fullness of a holy and righteous life through Jesus Christ. That's the hope held out in the gospel that we can have Christ in us, that he will dwell in us, not moved from that hope. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. What gospel have you heard? There are many false gospels. The most common false gospel today is that God loves you. Simply that. That's the false gospel of our age. God loves you. You don't have to turn from your sin. You're saved just like you are. God loves you just like... He's tolerant of you. You can be a homosexual. You can be an alcoholic. You can be a thief, a murderer. You can be whatever you want to be. God loves you. I want to tell you, God is love. But he's also judgment. And every man and every woman will stand before the judgment bar of God on that great day. And face what we have done. Now he goes on. The word of God is a mystery. The mystery was how could God come and be born? of a human person, Mary. That is a mystery. It was kept hidden for ages and generations. But now it is disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. That's the incredible mystery we're dealing with here. That Jesus Christ will come and dwell in you. See, we don't believe that we make ourselves righteous. Yes, we cooperate. We confess our sins at the calling of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the blood of Jesus, we turn from our sins They're washed away. We're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But it's by faith. It's by faith in the blood of Jesus that we're restored and made whole. It's not through works. You can't make yourself holy, brother, sister. You've got to take that bent that you have toward homosexuality and recognize that it is a pit of the devil 
And you are going to make a decision to turn to Jesus and allow him to transform you by faith into a new person. It could be not just homosexuality. It could be porn movies. It could be lust for anything in this world, for the gaming life, for sports. It could be anything that Satan has set up in this world to capture your attention and to call you from devotion to Jesus. All of that is transformed by Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Would Jesus join you in some of the activities of your life? Would he join would he join you for a night at the movies? No. He's holy. Verse 28, we proclaim him, that is Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. That's what he's doing with me. That's what he wants to do with you. To that end, I labor struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not yet met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 6, this is chapter 2 of Colossians, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, Continue to live in him. Now, there are some who do not believe that Jesus is God. And so, they have not received Christ Jesus as Lord. They denigrate him. They put him down. They make him second class. But the word says, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanks, thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy if you say you're a christian and yet you do not believe that jesus is god you have been taken captive 
by a hollow and deceptive philosophy. It depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. I tell you, if you show me that person, you'll show me a person who has not been transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. This is Jesus who has authority over every power. Every authority is subject to Jesus Christ. And then you want to tell me Jesus is not God. And you will not submit to Jesus Christ as God. Verse 11. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. So it's Jesus who works directly in your heart and in your life that comes and may I use the term, converts you, radically changes you. The drinking is gone. The drugging is gone. The fast life with women or men is gone. You no longer have an interest in that. You want it out of your heart, for you have found a treasure, a treasure Like the parable that Jesus gave, a man was plowing in a a rented field. And he decided that year he would plow extra deep and see if if he could find a way to increase his productivity. And his plow struck something. He pulled it out, pulled it aside, And with his shovel, dug to see if it was a rock that needed removing from the field. It wasn't. It was a treasure box. He quickly buried it again, went home. I'm sure his wife thought he lost his mind because now he's selling everything in his house. He has to raise enough money to buy that field. And so he goes to the marketplace and sells the bedding, sells everything he has. He goes and buys that field and brings the treasure out of the ground. treasure is Jesus. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. What's it mean? Literally, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all dwell fully in Jesus. They are 
They are the Trinity. I can't go further than that. Except to say that they dwell in each other. They are one God. And it says, And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. So we can be filled with the presence of God. We can know them intimately. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Now, there is a question here. I don't know if this is in reference to a water baptism. I will not argue with those who say it was a water baptism. Or is it the baptism by the Holy Spirit? Most of you listening to this broadcast have not been baptized by the Holy Spirit. I mean totally given over to God totally one with Jesus, filled by the power of the Holy Spirit as was the early church. Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against, that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is a real, this is a real man, but it's also God. A God man, Jesus Christ, whom he is by the power of his blood, redeeming us, transforming us, changing us into his likeness. How does he do that? I'll testify. I was sound asleep. It was one o'clock in the morning. The Holy Spirit came and reminded me of something that I had done many years ago that had made him very unhappy with me. He woke me up. He said, make restitution. And so I'm in the process now of making that reconciliation, that restitution, with deep, 
tears of repentance and sorrow for what I did, for it was thoughtless. It was what I wanted, not what God wanted. All in the name of, for the church, for the gospel. Often the most cruel and broken things that we do one to another in the church flow out of an arrogant heart, a wayward heart, wanting our own goals and ambitions to be accomplished while we trample on others. I'll never forget the time Jesus said to me, turn off your television set. I was shocked. I just bought a brand new large screen Sony television. Turn it off. I knew that if I wanted to walk with Jesus, I was going to have to turn the television off. And I'll tell you now that if you're watching television and movies and eating the things of darkness, you are severely limiting your relationship with Jesus. And you are creating a situation where the Holy Spirit will just pass you by. And he will not he will not discipline you. He will not speak to you about what you're doing. He'll say, go. That's what you want to do. Go. Or by his grace, he will speak to you. And you will say, I'm sorry. You're right. It's done. But again, that comes back to this issue that I began with. And that is, what is the bent of your heart? And if you're honest with me, you're going to have to admit that the bent of your heart is toward the devil, toward your own pleasure, toward your own accomplishments, come to a place where we recognize we are blocking the Holy Spirit from having his way in our hearts and we must make a decision will we continue that bent crooked way or will we finally come to Jesus and ask him to bend our hearts toward heaven toward Jesus well tomorrow we're going to go back to this same subject and we're going to go deeper. I'd ask, share with a friend. Invite them to listen with you. Now let's pray. My Father, my Father who art in heaven, please, would you bend my heart toward Jesus? Would you bend my heart toward heaven? Let nothing stand in the way 
of my crying out to you, Jesus, over my sin until that sin is removed by your precious blood, Jesus, and washed away and no longer troubles my soul. I'm asking, Lord, for the miracle of redemption, for the miracle of cleansing and restoring. Bend my heart away from the devil, away from the world, away from the flesh. Bend my heart, Jesus, toward yourself. Let nothing stand in the way of how I walk with you, Jesus. There is nothing in this world valuable enough that it should be put up against Jesus being God, put up against heaven and home. There's no wickedness the devil can offer that can begin to match the joy the pure joy of loving and serving Jesus Christ. There is no competition worthy. And some of you say, oh yes, there is. I want to watch the games on the television. What? I want to play those video games. I want to fornicate or watch the porno or I want to steal what I need or I want to lie to protect myself. Lord, none of these wicked things even begin to measure up to having my heart joyfully bent by the Father toward you, Jesus. And so I come asking, Lord, will you bend my heart toward heaven? Will you let no deception come into my heart or my mind that would twist me with false teachings or false philosophy or the ways of men? Lord, bend me toward heaven. And Lord, I know as I pray, some of you listening are so stubborn of heart. You think, oh, it's impossible. What Pastor Ray is saying is impossible. Lord, would you take that stubborn man, that stubborn woman, would you hold them in your hands until all of the fear has drained away from them and they stop trembling in terror at your presence? Lord, I plead for that, that person who is 
angry, rigid, fearful, suffering, would you come and enclose them in your love, Jesus? Would you come and and speak to them in your gentle mercy until they would finally say, I will trust my Jesus who is fully God and fully man and has gone through everything a man can go through and suffered everything a man can suffer. Thank you, Jesus. Let your name be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I also come to pray for the sick. For those who are in pain. For those who are in mental distress. I come, Lord, lifting up before you your children who have been marred by the devil. I just feel, Lord, there's someone listening to this broadcast right now who has never made a full decision to give themselves over into your hand. I ask, Lord, that that person would right now bow their head before you and say, Jesus, I surrender. I stop the chase. I am yours. Take charge of me, Jesus, and heal my broken wounds. Heal my broken heart. Take my life in your hands. I give it to you. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Would you like to come and enjoy a a small, informal time of worship and praise and prayer? If you would, go to the webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. And come on Sunday. We're not scary. You don't even have to knock. Come to the door. Open it. Come in. Find a seat. You'd be most welcome. You'll be welcomed with love and care. And no judgments. Just come and know that Jesus will meet you. Do you really want that? If you do, come. Now, I'd also love to hear from you. You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that address, Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, 
Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now you can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Our brother Ed Pugh does an awesome job creating these shorts each day almost. Pass them on to others. And you can give online. And you're welcome to. Now let me pray a benediction. Father, I want to come and pray a benediction, a word of peace and joy and life over every person who's listening. Lord, you know the sorrow of their hearts. You know the struggle they're having. Would you come and place a benediction upon them, a benediction of peace and joy and love. Reassure them of your presence. Touch them today with your mighty love. Surround them. And let today be a day of of new beginning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, God bless you. It's been my privilege to come and share this question about Jesus being God. I'm going to continue that question tomorrow. Look at the first chapter of the Gospel of John. And look at the first chapter of the book of Hebrews. That's where we're headed. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you.